but we're back today. Good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Now, I don't know what that means to you. That, that means a lot to me. Amen. Everybody needs a Pentecost. Everybody needs a Pentecost. So today I want to talk to you, and I'm going to try to stay up here, okay? It's going to be hard, but I'm going to, I'm going to try. Everybody needs a Pentecost. Everybody needs a Pentecost. What, how did we get to Pentecost? What, how did Pentecost come about? What happened at Pentecost? Uh, oh, by the way, we've been doing some renovations around here too, so you might see something sitting in the fellowship hall or somewhere that shouldn't be there. A couple weeks ago, there was a furnace sitting in the middle of the fellowship hall, okay? And a toilet, okay? So, and so just to let you know there's things still out there that shouldn't be there. It'll disappear. Amen. But um, how did we get to Pentecost? What is Pentecost? How did it come about? Who thought Pentecost up? Where did it come from? Well, let's talk about that today. I want to talk about the journey to Pentecost. Amen. At Exodus chapter 12, we're going to start there, verse number 1. Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Let me tell you something. First of all, when God comes into your life, that is a brand new start. All right? It is a brand new start. What he's saying is that the slavery for the last 400 years isn't going to matter anymore. You're not going to measure and predicate your life according to what happened in your life of slavery. I'm going to give you a brand new start. I am going to give you a brand new walk. I am going to give you a brand new talk. I am going to give you a brand new wardrobe. I'm going to give you a brand new car. I'm going to give you a brand new life. Amen. When God takes you out of sin and puts you into his kingdom, that is the first day of the rest of your life. Amen? Hallelujah. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. So listen to me. God said this is going to be the first day of the rest of your life. This is going to be the first month of the rest of your life. We're not measuring what we did back there. We're going to measure from here on out. Amen? Stop looking at your past and saying, well, this happened to me, and that happened to me, and all this is wrong, and all this is bad. We're not talking about that anymore. The past is the past. It doesn't matter anymore. What I'm looking for is I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen? And anything that gets in my way, I will knock it out of the way until I get to where I'm going. Hallelujah. All right, I got 51 slides. I got to hurry. All right. He said, this is the first month. Good to see Brother Joe with us from Clinton, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, the spirit of America. Yeah. Okay. He knows exactly what I'm saying. Amen. Passover, Leviticus 23, 4 through 8. God said, Passover will occur on the 14th day of the first month. Keep that in mind. The 14th day of the first month. What's that have to do with Pentecost? 
We're building a house. We're laying a foundation. The 14th day of the first month. These are the feasts of the Lord at Leviticus 23, 4. Even holy convocations, which you shall proclaim in their seasons, in the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Remember that number, 15. In the first day you shall have an holy convocation. You shall do no several servile work therein. But you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Yes. Notice these things. The feast remembers, this feast remembers the last plague in Egypt. When the death angel or the angel of death passed over the children of Israel who applied the blood to their doors. All right? Now, for those of you who are OCD, I want to give you comfort today. All right? God is very orderly. God just doesn't do things randomly. God does things on purpose. Okay? God does things on purpose. And God has a pattern. The death angel passed over the children of Israel when the blood was applied to their doors. The Israelites took a bundle of hyssop and dipped it in the blood in the basin of the threshold. Going up, they put it on the lintel. Then they touched the two sides. Okay? So they touched the two sides, watch, and then they put it on the lintel. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? The bottom to top, side to side, the motion formed across. On Passover, the first Passover in Egypt, God already put the cross in the culture of his people. On the sides of the door, across the top. I don't know what you did in these last 10 weeks, but I was pleading the blood over my family. I was pleading the blood over your family. I was pleading the blood over this church. God, we got to let this pass by us. Lord, you got to let it pass by our children, our older folks. You got to let it pass by our grandpas and our grandmas and our great grandmas and all of that business. You got to put the blood on us. You're going to have to have the blood in your life. When John the Baptist said, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world in John 1.29, he understood the Old Testament reference. And in the New Testament, when we see that Jesus, he was born in a stable, visited by shepherds, and led to the slaughter as a lamb sent for us. His death allows the judgment we deserve to pass over us. Hallelujah. God, in his wisdom and in his death, allows the judgment of sin to pass over us. We're not guilty of sin anymore because we have the blood of Jesus in our lives. We're not guilty of the transgressions that we used to do because of the blood of Jesus. Now, unleavened bread, Leviticus 23, 6. And the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. All right. This seven-day feast begins on the day following the start of the Passover. All right. Now remember, we're talking about 14th day, 15th day. In the haste of the Israelites to leave Egypt, there was no time to add yeast to their bread. During this time, remember the hardships in Egypt of how God freed them from captivity. 
The Jews still to this day, when they celebrate unleavened bread, they still celebrate the freedom that God brought to the Israelite slaves back in Egypt. Leaven often represents sin and decay in the Bible. Remember that. Once incorporated, yeast becomes an inseparable part of the bread. I'm going just down here to the floor right here. Okay. I'm just, all right. I'm a little nervous today. All right. Now, uh-huh. The Jews were constantly sacrificing. Now watch. The Jews were constantly sacrificing unblemished animals to temporarily atone for sin. They were using animal after animal to temporarily take care of the sin problem. Only the Messiah, only the Lord Jesus, the perfect sinless sacrifice, could offer a permanent solution once and for all. Amen. Only once and for all it took, and the Bible says in Hebrews, that listen, let me show you, let me share this with you. It's not in the notes. Then in Hebrews it says that we have a high priest who is, who is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. It also says that in the Old Testament, when the high priest would offer the sacrifice for sins, that he would come out and he would then stand before the people and let the people know that the sacrifice had been done and the atonement had been accepted. But the Bible says that our high priest, when he was finished sacrificing himself, the Bible says that he sat down. You see, when somebody comes into a room, what do you do? If someone of importance, you stand up. You're making sure. But when everything is done, everybody can sit down. When Jesus died on the cross during Passover in Jerusalem, hallelujah, the Bible says that he sat down and he said it's done. What were the three words that Jesus said before he died on the cross? It is finished. Amen. Hallelujah, our perfect sacrifice. The unleavened bread represents Jesus' sinful life, sinless life, or sinless. He is the only perfect sacrifice for our sins. John 6, 35, Jesus boldly states, he said, I am the bread of life. Amen. Not only does he remove our sins, he nourishes our souls. Everybody say first fruits. First fruits. What does this have to do with Pentecost Sunday, Pastor? I thought we were going to get a badge, a bookmark, and a bag of candy. No, not today. Not today. You missed that holiday. It's gone. Leviticus 23.10. This starts on the 16th day of the month. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When you become into the land which I gave to you, give to you, you shall reap the harvest thereof. Then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of the harvest unto the priest. Amen. The Feast of First Fruits is one of three Jewish harvest feasts to thank God and honor God for all that he has provided. Although they didn't know it at the time, the children of Israel were celebrating what would become a very, very important day. The priests sacrificed Passover lamb on the 14th day of Nisan. The first day of Passover was the 15th. The Feast of First Fruits was celebrated the third day, which was the 16th. The third day celebration was the same day that Jesus resurrected from the dead. First Fruits. You seeing anything yet? 
1 Corinthians 15, 20, Paul referred to Jesus as the first fruits of the dead. He represents the first of the great harvest of souls, including us, that will resurrect to eternal life because of the new covenant in his blood. Oh, my. Jesus resurrected from the dead. He's the first guy to ever be dead and come back to life again. He was first fruit. The Bible says in Romans, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you. Come on, anybody awake out there? It shall also quicken your mortal body. Yes. And mortals shall put on immortality, and corrupt shall put on incorruption. But first fruit, Jesus rose from the dead on the same day that the children of Israel were celebrating the first fruits of the harvest. You and I, brothers and sisters, are part of this last day harvest. God is getting ready to send the angels into the earth for a harvest. We as the church are going to have to get deployed. We're going to have to get mobilized. We're going to have to get ready. We're going to have to do some things a little different than we did before. Amen. We're going to have to do things a little bit different than we did before. We're going to have to maybe try some new things. We're going to have to look at some old things. We're going to have to learn how to repent and get rid of some things in our life. Jesus said this in Luke 22, 20. Likewise, after the cup, after supper, saying, this cup is a New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The journey to Pentecost started like this. Passover, the 14th day of the first month. Unleavened bread, the 15th day of the first month. First fruit, the 16th day of the first month. That's our journey to Pentecost. Now we have what's called the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Leviticus 23, 16. Even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, you shall number 50 days. Everybody say 50. 50. You shall number 50 days. Mm -hmm. And you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two-tenths deal. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. Now get ready. This is all, this is all, we're just, we're just, you're spiritual Jews. Do you know that? If you don't like the Jews, you don't like yourself. Because you is one. You are a spiritual Jew. You are a son of Abraham. Well, Pastor, I don't think Abraham's in my lineage. Ginger ran the numbers and she says we're not in Abraham's lineage. No, I'm talking talk physically. I'm talking about spiritually. You see, Abraham has two families. Amen. Abraham has a natural family. Abraham has a spiritual family. God was talking to Abraham about two situations. He said, I will make your seed as the sand of the sea. That's natural Israel. And then he said, I will make your seed as the stars of the heaven. That's spiritual Israel. That's the church. That's us. Amen. And I'm going to show you how. Well, pastor, that was just for the Jews. Hang on now. You shall bring out of your habitation two wave loaves. These loaves of bread that you're going to wave before the Lord. You're going to wave these loaves. How about this air conditioner? Is it awesome? It didn't feel like this last Sunday. It might have been your car with your McDouble and fries. 
But it didn't feel like that in the back of that truck. Amen, I'm just telling you. Just saying, pray for my sacrifice that, that day. The feast is the second of three harvest feasts. It occurs exactly seven weeks after the feast of first fruits. So it is called Pentecost, which means 50 days. If you count back to your calendar, you will find that Easter was seven weeks ago. Yes. First fruit. Plus one is 50. Seven times seven is 49. Plus one is 50. Amen? God said, you're going to celebrate first fruit 50 days after, or you're going to celebrate Pentecost 50 days after first fruit. Traditionally, people were expecting to bring the first harvest of grain to the Lord, including two leaven loaves of bread. God's plan to save souls included more than just the Jews. You see, on the day of Pentecost, it was just the Jews that received the Holy Ghost. What did Jesus say many times to people who needed a touch from his ministry? They needed a touch, but they were the Syrophoenician woman. She was a Gentile. He called her a dog. The woman at the well of Samaria, she was a half-breed. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. And see, the Jews thought salvation was just going to come to them. But how many loaves of bread came out? How many are you supposed to bring? Two. What's that mean? Through Jesus, the plan was revealed. In Matthew 9, 37, he tells his disciples the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Then he puts the plan in action in the book of Acts, Acts 1, 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. That's what sets us apart from a lot of churches here in town. That's what sets us apart from a lot of churches here in this county. That's what sets us apart from a lot of churches in this state and in this country. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the Spirit of God coming in and indwelling in our lives. Amen. We believe in the power of God coming into our life and burning out all the sin and all the corruption and all the mess in our lives. I see people today that they, they accepted Christ. And they, they, you know, I saw somewhere on Facebook, um, somebody said, and I, listen, I got to confess my sins. I've been on Facebook. Sorry. I let you down. I let myself down. But I had to. I couldn't help it. I had to. The reason I had to was all the preaching that I needed to look at in the last 10 weeks of what pastors were doing in here and there and what I had to find. They weren't anywhere but Facebook. So I had to break my vow, my celibate vow of Facebook. And I saw somebody say, I've accepted Christ as my personal Savior. I bet you're ashamed to tell the same. The only problem is I saw that person about eight months ago putting down a bunch of Coronas at the Mexican restaurant. 
I'm saying, Lord? And there's other things in this, the lifestyle that I'm like, Lord? All I'm going to say is, God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I used to be like that, but now I'm like this. And I used to say those words, but I don't say them anymore. And I used to go there, but I don't go there anymore. And I used to be mean, and I used to be grouchy. Well, I'm still that. I'm sorry. I'm still mean and grouchy. I used to be more mean and more grouchy, Now, but now I'm better. I'm nicer now. I'm kinder. Amen. I'm a new man in Christ. I used to not even pray. I used to just do my thing. I used to just depend on myself, but now I depend on God. Are you seeing what I'm saying here? John, John the Baptist said in Mark chapter 1, verse 8, he said, you shall be baptized. He said, I baptize you. I indeed baptize you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He didn't say fire there. And then John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus said, and when he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. He wanted them. He was prophesying to them and saying, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And then in Acts 1-8, Jesus said, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Amen. The arrival was the day the church was born, and that was the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. The harvest began on that day with 3,000 souls. Today, nearly one in seven people on the earth are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. One in seven. Nearly one in seven are filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God is doing something in our lives. God is doing something in our world. Now watch. The gospel message spread to both the Jews and the Gentiles. Each one of those loaves represented something. One loaf represented the Jews, and the other loaf represented the Gentiles. And God said, on that feast, when you bring the two loaves out, I am representing not just the Jews for salvation. I am representing also the Gentiles for salvation as well. Because God is bringing it all together. Amen. Extending the harvest to us. Hallelujah. So in Jerusalem, the Jews journeyed into their Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled. Everybody say filled. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. In Samaria, the Samaritans journeyed into their Pentecost. I'm getting ready to close. Hallelujah, in case you don't know that yet. Amen. I signed a new labor agreement. Amen. With the union, and I'm cutting her down. I don't know how long that'll last. All right. The Samaritans journeyed into their Pentecost, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. And when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they came down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now why, why did they send Peter? Because if you look, Peter had what they called the keys. Peter had the keys to the kingdom. He received those in, back in Matthew when they were all sitting around a fire one night. And Jesus looks at him and says, who do men say that I am? Well, some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist. 
But he looked at him and said, but who do you say I am? Who, who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? And Peter piped up and he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. And Jesus said, blessed art thou, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Upon this rock I will build my church. He was talking to Peter. Now the word Peter in the Greek means stone. It comes from the word petros. It means stone. So it wasn't built on the, stone, the, the foundation of a man named Peter. It was built on the revelation of who Jesus was. He was God manifest in the flesh. He was Messiah. Amen. And so he said, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The next verse says, and I will give unto you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. The most powerful person in a corporation is the janitor. Because he can get you into anywhere you want to get. I've been here to church before, and I didn't have a key. But if I found the person that had the right key, I could get in there. You ever been in, done that? Can somebody give me a key? Can I just get in here and get a key? Can somebody let me in? What are you talking about? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. In Jesus' name, God, you know the answer. Now, so Peter unlocks the door on the day of Pentecost when he's preaching at the Jews. But now the Samaritans have not yet received the Holy Ghost. Why not? Because the guy with the key is not there. You've got to wait for the guy to get the key there so you can get in. So they're just sitting there twiddling their fingers. Well, we've got to wait on Peter because Peter's got the keys. So they hear them. They're going to send Peter and John down that they might receive the Holy Ghost. What happened then? Peter laid hands on them. They got the Holy Ghost in Damascus. Paul, everybody say Paul. Paul journeyed into his Pentecost. Amen. Acts chapter 9. And Ananias went his way. He entered into the house, putting hands on him and said, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. The man who wrote half the New Testament was filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? That's awesome. In Caesarea, the Gentiles journeyed into their Pentecost. And you know what? I'm getting ready to, I'm getting ready to close. I'm going to need some singers and some musicians up there. Hallelujah. In Caesarea, the Gentiles journeyed into their Pentecost. Amen. The first, the first, the first ones to get the Holy Ghost. Caitlin, are you ready for this? You know who the first ones were to get the Holy Ghost, the Gentiles? The Italians. I thought you'd like that. Italians. You can't be named Sepulveda, though, and not be Italian. That's like being named Zimmerman and not be German. The Italians were the first ones to get the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as as many came with Peter, 
because it on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Jews, it was blowing their mind because they couldn't believe that the Gentiles were getting the Holy Ghost. The problem is they didn't realize what the first fruits harvest was. You come out bringing two loaves. You bring out a loaf for the Gentiles and a loaf for the Jews. God said, I'm going to pour this thing out on all flesh. Everybody's going to get the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. In Ephesus, the Ephesian elders journeyed into their Pentecost. Let's all stand. Acts chapter 19, verse number 2. He said unto them, this is Paul, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. We never heard of the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about, the Holy Ghost? And he said unto them, How were you baptized? They said, We are baptized unto John's baptism. Huh. Paul said, You are baptized unto John's baptism. Then Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hand upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. Everybody say the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake with tongues and prophesied. I'm talking about your journey to Pentecost. This is how Pentecost got here. Fifty days after first fruit. First fruit comes after unleavened bread. Unleavened bread comes after Passover. It's all tied together. God does it in synchronization. God has a system. God has a plan. God's putting it all together. Outside of Baltimore, Maryland, Pastor Tracy journeyed into his Pentecost, June 16th, 1981. June 18th, 1981, Ginger journeyed into the Holy Ghost. She journeyed into it because she had anger in her heart, because she was mad that jealousy, jealousy and anger. She's mad that I got it before she did. Oh, you just wonder what I had. Well, there you go. Most of us in here have journeyed into our Pentecost. Most of us in here have journeyed into our Pentecost. Most of us have experienced that. Question is, are you still on your journey? Question is, are we still on our journey? Sister Sylvia's journey began right up there. Catherine and Nathan's began right here. Wow. Heather, I don't know where you started. I was out of town. Where'd you start? Back at your seat? Back there. Casey, where's your start? Right there. Johnny Ty. Right here's where your Pentecost started. It's good, isn't it? Man. Where'd your Pentecost start? Think back to it today. Now, how are we doing with it? Are we still pursuing Pentecost? Are we still flowing and going? Is there things coming into our lives that are trying to slow us down, distract us, sidetrack us? Amen. Pentecost Sunday is here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing. If you'd like to come pray, you can. Let's start out here, and let's just spread out if you want to come pray. Amen. Pursue your Pentecost, brothers and sisters. Pursue your Pentecost. 
I was working in the church years ago, a large progressive church. And this time of year, Pentecost always falls either in May or June. And this evangelist had come to preach a revival at this church. And he was talking to the pastor and he said, now I know that this coming Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. Do you, are you planning on doing anything special for Sunday? And I was sitting at the table with him. And the, the reply of the pastor was classic. I loved it. I've used it many times. You know how you pick something up and you put it in your backpack and you take it with you. He said, we're not doing anything special because every Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. I like that. You know what I want around Family Worship Center? I want every Sunday to be Pentecost Sunday. I want every service to be Pentecost Sunday. I want the move and the flow of the Holy Ghost just moving in your life. This is a Holy Ghost watering hole. After you get the Holy Ghost, the journey just begins. It hasn't even started. The journey's just beginning now. So you got to come get your drink. You got to come get your renewal. You got to come get your refreshing. Amen. So as they sing, you like to come on and seek the Lord. Let's do it. Oh, breathe on me, breathe on me, fill this place with the breath of heaven. 